It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Welcome back. Silver and Black Today here on The Bet in Las Vegas. Also, Odyssey Original Podcast. Remember, always subscribe to the show. Turn on the auto-download. We appreciate that. Uh, as always, back with you, Mo Moten, senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report as well, here with me as my co-host. And joining us now, Jason Lockenfor, of course, our NFL insider at Odyssey. You can catch his work on the In the Huddle podcast. If you don't already subscribe to that, you have to. Great talk about football, betting, everything you want. Baldy's there, too, uh, as well as reading his stuff up on the Washington Post, which I do all the time as well. Jason, thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black today. Thanks for having me. Uh, hope springs eternal, right? It's a great uh, <laughs> great time to be an NFL fan. Absolutely. Uh, and One day it'll be seven days a week as far as games go if the owners had their way. Oh, oh, count on yeah. it. Bank yeah, they, they they won't. They're working on that 18th game. For five I know. at least. Five a week, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah five a week, probably. <laughs> You're right. I want to start with you at the very kind of 50,000 foot level with this NFL season and get your thoughts on kind of some of the big storylines. What, what storylines to you as we enter this season, maybe one or two that you're really following and you think is going to be sort of the story for the NFL? It could be a team. It could be a player. What are you seeing out there that you'd share with the folks? Well, I, I mean, anytime you have a, a rookie class of quarterbacks like this, right, who are drafted that high, and we're going to debate over time, you know, how much of that might have been need, you know, how much of that might have been teams reaching uh, just sort of this confluence of desperation. But but regardless, you know, there's three of them who are going to hit the ground running. They're going to be playing right away. Um, and they have interesting skill sets. And I, I think some are probably in better positions to succeed short and long term based on the people around them and, and, and specifically the coaching staffs, right, that are, some of them might be better equipped than others to really kind of incubate and develop them. But any, anytime you sort of have have that, right, plus this sort of group of young quarterbacks who we don't really know what they are yet, right? I'm, I mean, like Justin Fields, Jordan Love, um, you know, there's Brock Purdy, right? Like, okay, so that's six quarterbacks right there we've just touched on, right? 32 teams in the league. That That's a pretty decent percentage right there, and I'm sure – you know, there, there's a few that I'm I'm leaving out that are that are in that wait and see or prove it mode. So who breaks through? You know what I mean? Can somebody do what a Trevor Lawrence did last year? Is is there is there a diamond in the rough there? You know, I, I would throw Kenny Pickett in there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he he started half the season, right? I mean, what he play? Think week four, week five, week six, week seven, bye week, week nine, really takes over as the full time starter coming out of the bye week. I'd put him in that classification. So is someone in that group going to pop? I think it's Kenny Pickett. Um, that intrigues me. Uh, 
short term, some of these contract situations and how they get resolved and when they get resolved. Um, and it's interesting because there seems to be more collective resolve among the pass rushers than the running backs when it comes to taking this stuff to the mat, bleeding it through the preseason, bleeding it into the regular season. Now, that's also not surprising, right? Because people are running around like crazy throwing money at edge rushers and it's tough sledding for running backs. Although I think Josh Jacobs and and his agent, Chad Weasling, who lives about uh, 10 minutes from here, um, <laughs> shout out to the weasel. I think those guys did a great job uh, and, and did the best they could under the circumstances. But for that position group, it was tough. Um, and I don't think it's getting any easier. So other things I'm looking at is this trade deadline, right? Because I don't think all these situations are going to be resolved the way everybody wants them to be. I think there's some obviously lingering ill will, uh, like with this Jonathan Taylor situation. Mm. Um, so do, do one or two of those guys end up uh, changing residences by the middle of the year like a Christian McCaffrey last year? And does that sort of sway the balance of power a little bit? Is there a power move to be made there? Um, and again, we know there's a fair amount of disgruntled running backs out there. So, I mean, th- those are those are some of the things. Um, and I think, look, from a macro level as well, I hate to say because it it's in your guys' division, but it, it looks like this whole, like, paradigm dynasty thing, at least within the AFC, right, has shifted from Foxborough to Arrowhead. And I just don't think it lets up anytime soon. I don't think it's going away. I don't know that it's going to re- result in seven rings like Belichick and Brady, but it might be more than four. You know, they're halfway to four. And Andy Reid has been through a lot. And he's as stuck in as ever. When you think about things that have happened to his sons, things that have happened in his personal life, um, and and he keeps chugging along. And, I mean, what is this? I think this is Patrick Mahomes. It's only his sixth opening day start. And they signed that cat to basically a 12- or 13-year deal. Okay. <laughs> Good luck dealing with that. It's the it's the most important, as you know, most important position in football, and and you got to have a transcendent quarterback if you're going to build something like that. Mo, you had a question. So, Jason, just getting into the Raiders, I I don't know if you've been following the whole Chandler Jones saga. He had a he had an issue on social media where basically he's saying he wants out, doesn't want Josh McDaniels to be his head coach, doesn't want Dave Ziegler to be his GM. Now, Raider fans are saying. Why do we always have these big, weird stories right before the season? I don't know if you remember Antonio Brown. There was the trade with Khalil oh, yeah. Mack on September 1st. I, I remember you had some some stories on that, too. But from your perspective as an insider, do you feel like the Raiders have more issues than most teams before the season? Or do other teams just have things that pop up, you know, days or a week before yeah. the season opener? I don't know about more than most right before the season. I, I'd have to take some time and kind of think think about it. Um but look, they've they, they've had their their fair share of issues. I mean, they, this league is set up for parity, right? And every three or four years, even if you're a pretty misguided franchise, you, you, you should kind of crest to the top, right, and, and have your moment to compete or quasi compete. You know, even Dan Snyder made the playoffs every five six years, right? And if you're not, and if that's all you are, or you're less than that, then it's probably an indictment on you. Because, again, this system is set up to reward you just for staying in business, just for keeping the gates open, just for, just for you know, showing up for your games, right? The way the schedule works, the way the draft works, the way the, the revenue sharing works. Um, 
the way municipalities are falling all over themselves to build stadiums for really rich guys. <laughs> and yet still you can't really compete, right? So what's that all about? Um, I think it speaks to issues that have lingered in management. I think it speaks to issues that have lingered in ownership. Um, but this Chandler Jones thing, I think you, you kind of have to look at a little bit um, like through a, a, a portal, like Chandler Jones is a different kind of guy. Chandler Jones has had some issues in the past. Um, they gave Chandler Jones a whole lot of money. It didn't work out last year. He wasn't the same guy that he was a couple years prior in Arizona. Um, and, yeah, there have been players who have kind of bristled or blanched at what one coach or another coach has kind of um, rubbed them wrong or whatever for a long time there. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going on with, with Chandler Jones and, and what set him off. Um, again, it was a rich contract. It was a contract with some guarantees that look really good for the player right now. And there's not going to be a whole lot of other teams or really any that are going to want to take that on. You know, so like the idea of a trade, like they're not going to cut him and let him set him free, I don't think. And I don't see a trade emerging, you know, unless he was willing to move stuff around. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate because they got to, and I'm not sure he's the guy at this stage of his career. They got to find somebody else to take something off Max Crosby's shoulders, right? Like you got to yeah. find, like that Robin is out there somewhere. You've got Batman, you can't find Robin. Like they've <laughs> got to find, they've got to find Robin at some point here soon if that defense is ever going to break through and 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 really, you know, show some teeth week in week out. It, it's a team sport. An individual can only do so much. So. Yeah, like on a certain level, the, uh, have the Raiders been an ineffective franchise? I, I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they can't hide behind worst stadium in the league anymore. You know, they can't hide behind we don't have the creature comforts. We don't have the facilities. We don't have the team headquarters. They, they can't hide behind any of that anymore. So there, there really shouldn't be any excuses. No, you know, I- go back and look at the contract he was, you know, he gave Gruden. And oh, obviously yeah. that dissolved for whatever reasons. And we'll see what the courts say about it. But yeah. look at what he was willing to do there. Like, so the, the, the money's there. The resources are there. You know, at, at some point, they got to figure some things out. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned that's the one thing, too, we hear from a lot of fans who listen to the show is, oh, Mark Davis is poor. Now you saw the value of the franchise go up and the cash is coming in like it didn't in Oakland for all the reasons you said, Jason, the stadium, corporate dollars coming in. So so they, they have more money than they've had in the past as well. But that doesn't always translate to success, as we know. We can we can point to many, many examples of that. Speaking of the Raiders now, one of the things, too, I know Raider fans, and we always try to try to voice some of their opinions, they always get upset at national, quote-unquote, national media. So folks that aren't covering the team on a, on a daily basis because they've had a lot of years of frustration. And, and listen, on this show, we're objective, too. So we tell it like it is, and sometimes they don't want to listen because we're telling them bad news or we're being objective. But when you look at the Raiders overall going into this season, you mentioned obviously Chandler, Chandler Jones having that other defensive end. They draft Tyree Wilson, who's coming off an injury, and he may be a really good player. It's going to take him some time to get back from that foot injury. But when you look at this Raiders squad heading into 2023 with what you said about the Chiefs, Sean Payton's in Denver now, the Chargers are the Chargers, and they always have talent, never seem to get over the hump. When you look at the Raiders, though, what they have, what they don't have heading into the season, a lot of people picking them three wins, Jason, and I think that's too low. 
um, even with the tough division and with the AFC conference being so difficult. But when, when you look at the Raiders this season, sort of what's what's your takeaway? What's your view of where they're at and what they could be this coming season? I'm not going to lie. They're an afterthought for me. I, I, I don't see a scenario um, unfolding where they're they're able to contend. Um, if they were in the NFC, you know, if they swap places, let's say, for instance, with with you know their old Bay Area buddies in San Francisco, then I, I could concoct a scenario where at least they're on the periphery of a playoff spot, if not better than that, um, with the expanded playoff field and they're playing meaningful games around Christmas. Like I could mm. do that if they were in the NFC West, right? Because I'd be sitting yeah. there saying, "All right, well, Seattle's pretty good, but I mean, Arizona's a joke." You know what I mean? Like the Rams are in total rebuild mode. Their coach might walk at the end. So I could do that. That's unfortunately not their scenario. Not even close. So, I, I'm, I, you know, it's a stopgap quarterback. It's just a lot of stuff that, for me, doesn't feel very real. You know, it mm. feels kind of transition-y. It feels kind of transitory. Um, I don't know what to bank on there. You know what I mean? Even the Jacobs thing, like, they had to keep him. He's their offense. But – it's a band-aid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like who you guys tell me who are the found like who are the cornerstones? Like who are the four or five franchise cornerstones that you feel like are absolutely gonna be impact performers and best of breed type guys whenever this franchise finally turns the corner? Who are they? Yeah, I mean I, I think you mentioned Crosby. Uh, Jacobs, okay. I, Jacobs is there a year. I think he's gone after the season, really, honestly. Right. And then Col- you have De- Colton Miller. Adams, Colton Miller on the line. Colton Miller. You know, so like, I, they got a ways to go. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's just as simple as that. Um, now, they've done some interesting things within the division, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, like even they, they seem to have had Denver's number, right? And we'll see if that holds week one. And if it does, that's one of people saying three wins. That's one right there. <laughs> And it wouldn't shock me if they swept Denver because, again, that's kind of in their DNA. And then, you know, can they pick one, a couple up here, a couple up there? (sighs) But do I see them even flirting with a wild card? I I don't, you know? Mm -hmm. I I mean, how many games is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play? No, is it five? Is it 10? Is it 12? I don't think it's. 17. I mean, there's, you know, there's like, there's not much in his DNA recently that would say, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a big bad. question mark. No question. You know, it's just, it, they're, it's a very odd thing. I mean, a year ago at this time, they had just invested in what was supposed to be their offensive identity, which was this Devontae Adams, Derek Carr reunion, right? I mean, they put a lot of money in those guys' pockets and Jared Stidham starting games for them. In January, in December, like, <laughs> you know, that strikes me as something that's probably not getting resolved in the offseason. Right. Um, you know, and if something happens to Jimmy G, what are you doing? I would say play the kid who was looked pretty good in the preseason. You know, right. like, I don't know that you need to – again, I like Brian Hoyer. I know him personally. I'm a, I think he's a great dude. I go way back with him. But you don't need to see it. You know what I mean? Like, especially a team that's in transition and sort of rebuilding again or whatever term you want to use. Like, I don't think you need to see Brian Hoyer start football games. <laughs> like, I, I just don't. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Like, I don't see that making sense on any level. So, you 
Yeah. You know, maybe that become maybe maybe McDaniel's found somebody. You know, yeah, like, and I'm a fan of Josh's work um, over time, and I was wow. a firm believer that Josh McDaniel's given a second chance to be a head coach was going to right a lot of wrongs and was going to have a very different trajectory. Um, I believe that full throatedly. Yeah. But that's going to, like, if that's going to be the narrative, if I'm going to be right, then (laughs) a lot of things are going to have to change and they're going to have to have found some hidden gems and they're going to have to, at some point here, develop a quarterback. Because, again, Jimmy G, we're sitting here saying, is he going to be available in October? I got news for you. I don't think he's back there next October, no matter what happens. Like, I, I think that's probably a bridge too far. So do they find a quarterback along the way? Do they develop some younger skill players? Do they have an identity? Do they have mm-hmm. a discernible direction as a franchise by the end of the season? Are we talking about potential cornerstones? You know what I mean? And it's more sure. than a pass rusher who's rubbing up on, I mean, what is it, year six or seven for him? You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel yeah. like Max is a spring chicken. You know what I mean? A, a tackle who they drafted five, six years ago. Like, it, hopefully that list is longer. So let's clear the air. So I guess you don't have the Raiders, you know, finishing with a good record. And a lot of a lot of outlets don't. And some fans don't. So I'll ask you this. You know what happens to teams that aren't playing well close to the trade deadline? They start trading off decent players who oh, have yeah. trade value. I've gone on plenty of shows and they've asked me, Mo, is there a chance that the Raiders part ways with Devontae Adams? I've said no, but you're the insider. You hear all the chirping behind the scenes. What would you say is the is the probability or percentage, if you want to give a percentage, that if the Raiders aren't good by the trade deadline, they have two to three wins, do you think they would consider moving Devonta Adams with his contract and, and probably the cap penalties they would have to take moving him? I think you have to be. Like, everybody has a price. You know, the value is the name of the game in this league. And you brought him there for one thing. You thought you were this team, right, with a quarterback who was going to turn the page because all the creature comforts were there. And you got this six, seven freak of nature tight end, right, who nobody can can man up on. And you got to bracket him and you got to bracket Devontae. So here we go. We don't, our defense isn't great, but that's okay. Crosby will get some fourth quarter sacks. We'll score 30 something a game. Like, that's gone. Like, I mean, that's gone. Like, I, I don't know that you're selling that right now. I don't know that you can sell that right now. Like, so, no, I think you have to be open to, to listen on things like that. And that wave of receivers, right, has sort of – like, that That was a, a tidal wave that kind of crashed over a couple of off-seasons. And now most of those guys have, have their new spots, and they're not going anywhere else because it's working out pretty well, right? It's working out pretty good for A.J. Brown. It's working out pretty good – you know, for, for Tyreek Hill, especially when Tua is his quarterback. Like, so outside of Diggs, and I'm not even sure he's as disgruntled as some would make it sound, like there's not a whole lot of that out there. So if there is a team that feels like they are a receiver away, and, they, and the Raiders are who I think they're going to be and who a lot of people think they're going to be and who, you know, the people who set odds at Vegas think they're going to be, mm-hmm. then I, I think you'd be really naive to cling to that asset just hoping and praying that whatever quarterback he's with the following year makes it better, you know, and now he's a year older and it's a whole long off season. And what happens if he gets hurt? You know what I mean? In week 15, chasing 1500 receiving yards or whatever the goal is, because it's probably not a team goal at that point, like realistically, <laughs> right. And he gets hurt and now we can't trade him in the off season. We can't trade him at the draft because he's coming off. God forbid it. You know what I mean? He's rehabbing an Achilles. He's rehabbing an ACL. So now I, I think they have to continue to think big picture. 
Because, again, you paint me a short-term picture where they can compete in the AFC this year. You know, you could bring Waller back. You could bring that whole cast back together and add a few dudes. I still don't think that's enough because mm. the defense, I don't think, is going to really be able to get off the field. And there's too many damn good quarterbacks in the AFC and good offensive lines and good play callers and game scripters. And, like, I, I just don't think they can match up. So, yeah, I think they should be – well, and we know there's a lot of things that, you know, Mark does to try to mimic his dad, right? Like, that's <laughs> very much. So, like, well, Al Davis, when he didn't think he could win a Super Bowl that year, he was oh, he'd be the first guy to, you know, back before the trade line, trade deadline was even really a thing in this league, he'd be letting people know. He'd send the facts out. You're going to have this guy, this guy, this guy. This, I'm willing to talk about, like, he'd get ahead of the curve. Hey, we're open for business. You know, you'd yeah. hear it all the time. 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So, no, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't mm -hmm. shock me. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let me ask you this, Jason, uh, before we let you go, and I thank you for being so generous with your time today with us here on Silver and Black today. Um, the Josh McDaniels situation, you talked about and, and you you said, hey, you think he can do it. There seems to be, though, I think, and, and I don't know when you, because you're around the national NFL media a lot more than we are, but it seems as though people just are not buying in on him. Now, I think this this year in Vegas, actually, everything we hear on the ground is that the players are. So he's got that kind of culture switch that happened part of last year and some of the guys that weren't bought in are obviously gone. Uh, but from a national basis, I just I hear a lot of skepticism still around Josh McDaniels. Um, where is that coming from, from your perspective? And is that really the only cure for that is for him to, to go out and do something that he hasn't done before, which is maybe win, progress, and, and show that he is a different coach in his second stint. But what's your take on that kind of national sort of skepticism around Josh and what he's doing in Las Vegas? Well, I think it's grounded in several things. Um, some of it he's a symptom of, and some of it he's a maybe a more, it's more a product of, of his own body of work. But like there's, you'd have to be walking around with blinders on not to have noticed how many of Bill Belichick's Disciples have failed. How many of Bill Belichick's disciples have failed trying to mimic Bill Belichick, trying to be something they're not, you know, the tough guy routine, um, you know, coming in guns a blazing, making examples out of people, like pretending that you're bringing his resume with you instead of your own. So that, that's, that's been a thing. It's happened for going on decades now. And Josh in Denver was emblematic of that. And he spoke openly about it. Like there's things he wishes he did differently. A lot of things he'd like to take back. Right. So you've got him being a part of this whole league wide phenomenon where, Hey, if you take one of these Belichick guys, be, be ready for the players to hate him. Be ready for it to fail. Be ready to fire him in a couple of years. <laughs> um, he burned a lot of Josh burned some bridges along the way because he was that way. So there's some people who aren't really into second chances or whatever, you know, so they've already kind of written them off. Um, and then last year was, I mean, 
Last year went worse than I thought it could get. Like, yeah. like if you're telling me Jared Stidham starting games for competitive reasons, you know, I would not have bought that. Like, mm-hmm. I thought the Raiders were a team that Vegas was a little soft on, that people were a little soft on. Did I think they could, like, win a division or win a playoff game? No. Did, did I think they could be sniffing around a wild card spot with three, four weeks left? I did. I was way wrong. Um, like, a lot – went awry and there was the all, a lot of stuff in the past kind of re, re percolated right about is he connecting with players and what are people saying about him behind the scenes and what are the interpersonal dynamics like so I, I understand why people were skeptical and I understand why those skeptics would double down and again I, I have reservations um but I also know the kind of person he can be I know the kind of offensive mind that he is uh but they've dug themselves a hole now, right? Like, and so you talked about what could he do? I don't think it's going to be in the standings this year. I, yeah. I think that if that's the if that's what the evaluation is, then it's going to come up unsatisfactory. But for me, it's again, it's about can you are you developing players? Developing. Yes, I'm are saying players that. exceeding expectations? Are players on your side of the ball where your expertise are exceeding expectations? Our fifth round picks playing like second round picks. Our third round picks playing like first round picks. Did you find a potential quarterback? Like that's where it's going to have to be. That's what mm-hmm. he's going to have to sort of um, hang his hat on, right? And there's a lot of people. I have good buddies of mine in the league who've worked for Andy Reid, and they've told me conversations they've had with Andy Reid over the years. And one, you know, who worked with Philadelphia has told me this story probably thirty times. Like you know, having a conversation with Andy Reid, and, and Andy Reid's asking him you know, sort of on the QT, like evaluate my coaching staff for me, evaluate my position coaches for me, kind of like, you know, self-scouting from the inside. And so the guy's like, well, what do you think our standards? Like, what what, what, what should my checklist be? What do you think I should be looking for? And Andy's like, I don't know, you tell me. And this guy's like, well, I'll tell you how I evaluate coaches. It's let me look at his pool of players. Let me look at where they were drafted and how much they're paid. And then mm. who is right, who is meeting those levels who is falling below those levels and who from their position group is exceeding those expectations. And that's the, that's the paradigm I'm going to use to evaluate all these guys. And that's always stuck with me. And I think if if I were representing Josh McDaniels, if I was his agent, you know, that's the kind of conversations I'd be having with ownership right now. Like, did we mess some personnel stuff up last year? Yes. Did we give too much money to a quarterback who I couldn't fix and then bring in his best buddy from college, you know what I mean, on a big contract, closer to 30 than 25, right, age-wise. And, like, did we do all that? Yeah. And it's that that experiment's not going to work. But here's my long-term vision. Here's how we're going to, you know, be able to maybe ball on a budget a little bit or turn this thing around while the quarterback's not making 45 or 50 a year, right, while we can – sort of use some of those those assets on the defense to kind of try to finally buy a defense and maybe buy it the right way because you can't develop everything on the fly right. while I cultivate young offensive talent for you that are going to outproduce their pay rate. Right. Yeah, and that's what we've been saying here on the show, uh, Jason, is that if you know fans want their team to win. There's no question. And they should. Uh, and that should yes. be the expectation. But I, I've said this year that what you have to look for, because they're all oh, Josh McDaniels on the hot seat. And I said, I don't think he's on a hot seat because I think Mark Davis, they're bought into the long-term plan. And Mo and I talk about this all the time. And so this year, 
unless he loses the locker room and it's a complete disaster, it's drama fest in there or something yeah. like that. I don't see it because they are building, they are doing that. And you have to set that system up. And to your point, you have to develop talent. You have to draft it and acquire it, of course. And Dave Ziegler is part of that as well. But you have to be able to develop that and get the most out of those guys. And they have some that they've drafted their first year last year that haven't panned out yet so far, but the, the, the book is not closed on them. And then you have the influx of talent this year. So so it, it's it's refreshing to hear that from you because we we try to talk about that here uh, and, and be objective about it. But I think people want results quickly. I mean, we live in a world where it's instant gratification. Well, and they so haven't had results in forever. So I Correct. get it. You know what yeah. I mean? And you've yeah. watched these other franchises go from, around. yeah, like the Bengals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've watched teams go from the dregs you know, like the Bucks. you know, mm-hmm. like you've watched it happen pretty quickly for other franchises, you know, the Rams. And it's like, when do we get that? I, yeah. That's what fans should be asking. I mean, that's the, you're paying the same ticket prices, if not more than those other teams. <laughs> the you highest know? in the league. You should be getting something. Exactly. Should be getting something for it. That's right. Well, Jason, man, we appreciate uh, uh, everything and, and spending so much time with us. And again, we'll get you on My soon. Pleasure. Uh, Jason Lockenfor, you can follow him on Twitter at Jason Lockenfor, his full name. And of course, catch his podcast in the huddle, as well as his work on the Washington Post. And he's around Odyssey all the time. So if, you, if you're looking for great content online, just search his name. You'll find great NFL stuff. Jason, we'll catch you next time. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks, it. Sir. I know a lot of Raider Nation who listens to the show is not going to be happy with what Jason had to say. And and I don't necessarily agree with everything he said, but I do think it follows kind of the same track we've been talking about, which is, yeah, not a Super Bowl team, maybe not even a playoff team, uh, but at the end there, the whole thing about progress, developing talent, to me, that will determine whether or not the season is a success. And yeah, can they have a winning record? I think I still think they can. I think people are still under, even Jason, I think are underrating them a little bit. But that's if everything goes the right way. Now, the key thing you remember, he did say he was high on them last year. He had them. Everybody. I, I, listening to him, he had them as basically a, could be a wild card team. Mm-hmm. A lot of things fell apart. So he was along with us on that one. I think... We all in agreement that the Raiders have kind of an uphill battle to get to the playoffs. I think you have now have them now at nine wins. I have them at seven. Jason may be a little lower, but he's talked about a lot of things that we've talked about and fans have talked about. What is the defense going to look like? Because I think that's going to that's going to decide whether the Raiders shock a lot of teams and exceed expectations, or they they fall in line with what the Vegas line and what what a lot of uh, pessimists or people who are skeptical say about them because you look at the linebacker core i've said it over and over again how is that unit going to perform do they have a as he said a robin for max crosby's batman on the back end <laughs> does mac does marcus peters bounce back after a down year does coy bennett play well as a rookie i think he will but it's still a question mark so there, every level of defense they have a big question mark or a concern so I understand why why he has his uh his, his skepticalness about yeah. about the Rays and what they could be this year. Sure, absolutely. And and hey, they could prove him wrong. They could prove everybody wrong, and that's fine too. It happens, but that's I think a realistic approach. And I know people won't want to hear it because sometimes the hardest thing to hear is the truth, truth. or at least <laughs> at least what the battle Honestly. will be for you to overcome your obstacles. Right? Doesn't mean they might do it. You never know. I mean. 
you look at other sports and teams do it all the time, uh, including Major League Baseball, the, the Cincinnati Reds picked to finish with 100 losses, and here they are in the wildcard race. So you, you never know. Anyway, okay, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our second guest today. That is Benjamin Albright. He's a Broncos insider, hosts uh, Broncos Country Tonight up on KOA in Denver. We're going to get the lowdown on uh, Russell Inc., and Sean Payton and how that's all going in Denver. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere.